0: So I jump ship in Hong Kong and I make my way over to Tibet. And I get on as a looper at a course over there in Himalayas. A looper? A looper. You know, a caddy, a looper. Mm. Jack. So I tell him I'm a pro-jack. And who do you think they give me? The Dalai Lama himself. The 12th son of the Lama. The flowing robes, the grace, bald, <sighs> striking. So I'm on a first tee with him. I give him the driver. He hauls off and whacks one. Big hitter. The llama. Long. Into a 10,000-foot crevice right at the base of this glacier. Do you know what the llama says? No. Gunga galunga. Gunga. Gunga gunga. So we finish 18, and he's going to stiff me. And I say, hey, llama! Hey, how about a little something, you know... For the effort, you know. And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me, Which is nice.
1: Yeah, it is um, Wednesday. June 13th 2018 um I'm gonna say this in advance there's a good possibility that what you hear in next uh several minutes or so will not be funny um cause I've uh, been thinking a lot about this past week and how um there have been uh, a f- couple or few if you say um very popular uh well established people who took upon themselves uh to take their own lives uh for whatever reason uh whether you know whether it's uh mental illness or depression or um this is my personal opinion that they just didn't want to be here anymore considering how considering how things are in our culture, in our society, which is just—I see—I see a lot of ugliness. I see a lot of a uh, hatred. I see a lot of uh, selfishness, and um, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I—I—I I, I can only speak, you know, for myself at this point, just. You know, because I've been thinking about this for the past, you know, week. Like I said, past week, past few nights, where it's just where where I ask myself personally, just what what what's wrong with us? What is wrong with us as society, as culture, as a country, really? Because it's just, it's almost it's almost like you know, with the United States of America, and and nothing else matters. Just like the it just it just doesn't seem to be any sense of sympathy or empathy uh, towards uh, people, toward your fellow man, uh, toward your fellow woman. And it just makes me think this is why, you know, why people would want to uh, maybe feel they, you know, they just can't be here anymore. Like once again, like like I don't know. I I don't know uh, what would cause uh, uh, certain people to uh, commit suicide. And because uh, you know, because okay, let's just say like Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. They they're very popular, influential, well-established people. They had families. I mean, they both had. Daughters and just they, you know, people admired and looked up to them. But just they had, they had issues in their lives apparently that they felt could not be eradicated, and or and they just they just seemed to feel that the only possibility, you know, was to. And the lives, and and it it is mind-boggling because of course Kate Bay was a fashion icon, and Anthony Bourdain, he was, um, you know, he's he's you know, a well-respected author and well-respected in, in, in his taste in food and travel. I mean, he man had Asia Argento on his arm. It was like he won like the the exotic. A uh, European woman sweepstakes, as far as I'm concerned. But you know, even with all that, they felt that it just. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure people will. You know, if they aren't asking themselves like why did what they do it, they'll they'll be asking themselves why they did it for for days and weeks and months to come. But. I, you know, I, I, once again, I can only speak for myself, because, you know, I'll you know, admit it, just like, there, there have been times when I felt like, I've, I've written about this, so it's not even like a big revelation, it's like, I've been depressed, and I've felt like I, why was I here, what was the point of me being here, I'd, you know, just... Would would it be a big deal if I left? And it's not just just me thinking that way. Just like just seeing how black men are usually treated in this country, just in, in society in general. I mean, just Jesus, just the fact that black men could just just die automatically at the hands. Just of 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 the police, and just you know, they 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 would mistake a, a something in a black person's hand for a gun, and they automatically start shooting. So it's just like you know, a, a black person could 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 lose their life at any given moment, and 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 for some reason, people seem okay with that, and um. And, and the fact that when people, uh, bring awareness of that, it, of course, the, the perfect example being, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, wanting to bring awareness of how, uh, black people die at the hands of the police. And so he's going to not, not, not even sit like he did, but just kneel during the national anthem people are all upset about that they're they're more upset about how about he's disrespecting the flag which he's not not doing he's not in he's, disrespecting the troops which he definitely is not doing cuz the cuz a soldier told him like hey man you know maybe you would maybe it's a good idea if you kneel during the national anthem cuz you know cuz soldiers kneel when their fellow soldiers have fallen so, you know, just, you know, you know, take, you know, take that into consideration. And just by kneeling, he is respecting the soldiers. But apparently he's, you know, disrespecting the flag, disrespecting that. national You know, people are more concerned about how people treat a piece of cloth than the actual people that are dying at the hands of the police. It's just, just just makes no sense to me and of course the NFL is going all up you know, all up in people's asses about the fact that uh you know this, the the football players are disrespecting the national anthem and it's just just something that I can't believe we still have to discuss and stuff It's funny because, like, last last week, you know, when the stories of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain committing suicide, there are people committing suicide all over the place. I mean, like, uh, 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 one thing, uh, there are a lot of uh, adult film stars who apparently uh, have been uh, committing suicide. and, And just, once again, it's just, Oh, man, just, uh, there's a heavy, uh, there's like August Ames and, uh, just she, you know, she was, uh, getting a lot of, uh, cyber bullying and cause, uh, first off, let's just get this out of the way. Uh, uh, m- m- all the men out there, all the, tr- whatever online or whatever, uh, porn stars will never have sex with you. Let's just get that out the way. you you will never have sex with any of these porn stars. Yeah, you know, first of all, porn stars barely want to have sex with the men they get paid to have sex with. So you just just just, just be happy that there are women that uh are, are comfortable enough to get naked and have sex on camera so you can do your business and just leave it that. Stop sliding in these porn stars DMs. I swear to God, if I see one more online video of just porn stars uh uh, going through their DMs of, of just, just dudes uh, misspelling words and saying, hey, show me news or whatever the hell. <sighs> I mean, but that's, that's, that's not a problem. Just like they're just, uh, you know, men see women as nothing but sexual objects. And that takes quite, a, that can take quite a, a toll On women out there, especially considering um, everything that's happened in the past few months involving uh, the Me Too movement, how women have basically uh, uh, been taken advantage of by uh, uh, just these these uh, just disgusting men. Just you know, in in order to 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 have a career, just they have to adhere to these standards of beauty and just, just, but they have been, uh, uh, just conceived by how men see women and it's just, it's depressing, it's very depressing. It's depressing. It, it, it. Tell you the <sighs> truth, all of this is depressing. Just, it, it like, it boggles my mind how people can just wander around, just in denial about how depressing a lot of things are. I mean, we got a president who's—I don't know what the hell is the problem with this guy. He's just—he is—he is out of it. He is a bully. He is uh, deranged. He got—he he got his first lady locked up somewhere like uh like all he cares about is how he looks on on screen and it's just like why the hell would you care what robert nero thinks of you just like you run the country dude but what's, what's what's and you got you got pressing this you're, you're 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 talking with uh kim Jong un and i you know i think you should concentrate more on that but apparently because it's Oh man! I mean, just that, I don't even know if any of this is making sense at this point, but uh it's just you know we we're in a society where people i don't i don't even say people just just i i i I can just speak for myself where it's just like I get the sense where uh you know if you're not doing this. If you're not uh, wearing this stuff, if you're not driving this, if you're not uh, with this girl, if you're not having sex this many times, if you don't have this job, you're you're seen as a loser. Like you're a failure. And I think that's a big problem. Just like we we have this 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 general um idea of what we're supposed to um get to and when we don't get to it we feel that we have failed as people. And that's mostly uh I think that's 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 a that's a huge contributing factor as to a why we're in this 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 general funk that we're in because we're all trying to be something other than who we are. I know. I certainly feel that way. I feel like a friggin' loser all the time, all the time. It's just, you know, especially like I'm, you know, you got a few pounds on me. I am African American. You know, so I'm damn near second class citizen in every way, shape, or form. Just feel like there's, you know, there's just like a, a general sense of hopelessness. But um, I try, I try to, um, try to just try the the silver lining, if you will, try to see the light out there. I mean, I try to like little. It's the little things that uh gets gets me going. During the day, every day really and and i and I hope that it's the little things that gets a lot of people going because yeah because things can get very depressing and um and yeah, I've been there hell i'm 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 still there, that's what I'm going I've been uh you know trying to deal with counseling and Therapy and whatnot, Just trying not to stay. In that pit. Where you just. Feel you can't get out. And um. Try to. Try to just. Plow through. Just whatever. Life gets. Just slams at you. And uh. You know, there, there, there are things like you know, there's a lot of great music out there. I love reading. I uh, love watching Netflix documentaries. I love following uh, full figured models on Instagram. That's a thing. I'm really trying to. <laughs> if you if you follow me on Instagram, you know this already. But uh, just you know, I. I I try not to get as uh, down even though just there's so many things going on that make you feel down whether it's whether it's you know all the damn shootings that go on all over the country you think you, th- you think you know just after one shooting there'd be like everybody be just like yeah we're not yeah we're gonna put control you know put gun control into effect, but no, for you know, for whatever reason that's still not a major issue, that should be the number one issue, but it's not oh man, just I feel like, I feel sometimes it affects me to the point where just like I can't enjoy things anymore, like it's hard for me to enjoy stuff, I've been watching movies these past couple of nights and I don't know, maybe it's the fact that the movies I saw sucked but it's just so it's, it's hard. It's it's hard to have a good time in this climate, and I don't know if I'm the only one that feels that way. But uh, yeah, just I I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to keep my head up in these times, and yeah, um, <laughs> here I am talking like like I like I think there's like a bunch of people listening. I I know it's like five people, just like. Sorry Sean and CJ and and Matt and and Nick and I I think Nick is listening this year. The uh, you know this week and stuff like that. But um I just I just wanted to talk about how just things see it is 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 very difficult. Yeah, you know, especially for people who've been depressed and just have trouble Seeing things that could, uh, seeing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, with everything that happened this past week, I just hope that, um, you know, people can hold on and try to keep going yeah, I know there's like a lot of things that are going on with whether it's in their lives or just everything around them that makes you go like Jesus Christ do I still want to be a part of this whole thing but um I I just I just you know want want you to know that yeah, hey listen if you're going through some stuff and you want to talk about it with people I'm around. You can you can hit me up on Twitter, or Facebook, and that's not that's another thing. Like people don't think that there's nobody out there will listen. I know I'm I I know that I feel that way. Just like because I'm one of these people that feel that nobody cares about what I think at all. It's just like I just keep things uh, inside. Believe it or not, despite what you've heard on the show. But um but yeah I yeah I'm 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 always willing to listen. Like nobody calls me that much, so I have a lot of free time on my hands. So I mean just listen. Just contact me, Twitter, Facebook. You know, if you if you have legitimate problems don't don't hit me up talking about, yeah, let's your show, you suck or something like that. But um just, you know, I'm 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 here. Like I'm just I'm always Willing to lend a hand—that's the point of this whole show, believe it or not. Just to provide some solace from whatever the hell is going on. And um, once again, apologize for none of this being funny. I—I I sincerely apologize, but um, just thought I'd uh, just just talk about it for for a few. And I've been talking a lot. So um when we come back, yeah, there'll be more happier stuff to talk about. But uh right now, this is This is the most luxurious show on, on publicly. Let, let's go with that. Uh this is uh This is the sour hour. Yeah, it's Kenny Loggins appreciation night, everybody. Let's go!
2: in day there comes a time, Mama, when you gotta.
1: Okay, that was a song, and uh, I just I just realized something. Uh, just I had to shuffle on, but uh, well, repeat shuffle. But uh, let's let's get on to the next track.
2: tired of fighting Whether you're right or wrong Whether I'm weak or strong In your eyes This is a lonely feeling Watching you turn away Why does it have to be this way? Surely. Damn.
1: This is uh, the Sour Hour, a.k.a. Everything's Cancelled, here on HD 2 not 3, 2. I'm Craig D. Lindsay, a.k.a. Anastasia Beaverhausen, a.k.a. Black Larry David, a.k.a. Patterson, for real. And um, if you want to get at me, hit me up at Twitter, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, uh, Instagram, MySpace, whatever the hell's out there on LinkedIn y'all have a job for me please hit me up on LinkedIn at uh, uncle krizzle uh, if you want to let me know you're listening to this this uh, this Godforsaken show um, how hashtag the sour hour let me know you're out there and if you want to listen to this episode and other episodes like it in the past um, you can call you can uh, hit up uh, mixcloud.com. Slash Uncle Crizzle, that was a uh, Kenny Loggins block. Since this is Kenny Loggins Appreciation Night, uh, starting at the top with uh, Heart to Heart from the uh, High Adventure album. I believe uh, another a great collaboration he did uh, with uh, Michael McDonald. Uh, he did a lot. Of, he, they both wrote a lot of good songs together. And I believe on saxophone was uh, David Sanborn because I believe back then um, it was the law. To have David Sanborn on saxophone. And then after that, um, Who's Right, Who's Wrong. Uh, which From the Keep the Fire album. Um, with, with background vocals from Michael Jackson. And uh, Richard Page, who who would later um, be the front man for Mr. Mister. Just a little trivia for you right there. And then closing things out was uh, Make the Move. Which was a track... From a soundtrack uh to an to a movie. We'll be talking about, I believe, at in great length tonight. Cause uh the guest uh tonight is uh the author of a book, uh who uh, uh a book about uh the making of that particular movie. Um uh called uh Caddyshack, uh the uh making of a Hollywood Cinderella story. Let me see if I can hit him up on the FaceTime right now. Yeah, I got him. Uh FaceTiming. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Uh, please introduce yourself.
3: Chris Nashawadi.
1: Chris Nashawady, uh welcome to the Sour Hour, sir.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: And you are the author of, I don't know if you've been listening, but uh, you're the author of the uh, uh, book that uh, we'll be talking about this evening, Caddyshack, The Making of a Hollywood Cinderella Story. We should also point out that you are the... Uh, uh, film critic for uh, Entertainment Weekly. Correct. Yeah, you've been you've been at Entertainment Weekly for a long time, right?
3: I've been here for a long time, like a little over twenty
1: years. Twenty years! Wow, that is that is something. And um, I mean, let's just get into it, you know, because um, cause this this book actually started as an uh, article that you wrote for uh, Sports Illustrated, right?
3: That's right, yeah. In 2010, it was the uh, 30th anniversary
1: of the movie. Yeah, the 30th anniversary of the movie. And uh, you got the uh, call from, I believe, got a call. I mean, how did it go about you, yeah, so Ryan, for that?
3: So, yeah, so as I was r- reporting that story, you know, I talked to uh, Chevy Chase and Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. And, uh, you know, I quickly sort of realized after talking to these guys for a while that, um the stories were so good uh, and the making of the movie was so sort of crazy that there was more than just a five page magazine article would really hold. So that's sort of the idea that uh, you know, this could be a book started to uh, gather some steam. And then, you know, as I sort of thought about maybe the bigger picture of that decade in comedy, um, when Second City and Saturday Night Live and the National Lampoon all sort of came together to to change Hollywood comedy, uh, it sort of seemed like a bigger piece.
1: Yeah, I've been I've been wondering uh, whether or not to you know talk about this because I've had actually a very interesting relationship with the movie. I don't know how it is for you. I mean, was I mean, was I, was it was this like a, something that? A movie you enjoyed uh, as a youngin? And yeah, you decided, for hey, sure. Hey, I'm going to write a book about
2: that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, when I was a youngin watching it, I didn't necessarily think I was going to write a book about it. But it was certainly a movie that I really liked growing up. Um, you know, that whole sort of stripes, Animal House, sort of uh, vacation strain of comedies, I really enjoyed growing up. So um, yeah, but what were you? I want to hear what your sort of complicated. Relationship
1: with the movie is, it, yeah, it is. It is weird because um, I I've never I haven't talked to anybody about this because it's just been because I remember way back to the first time I saw the movie and it, it's it's because like I, I've been thinking about it these past few days, especially after I read your book, where um, this, I, I don't know if I would call it uh, one of my favorite comedies or even from paid fields, but I've just been, I've had this relationship where just like, I've seen it, you know, there, there was a point where just like it would air once a year somewhere mm-hmm. and it would, you know, I I would watch it or something like that. I mean, I remember the first time, cause like when I was, I must've been like four or five years old and I remember, I distinctly remember telling my mother who was off to the video store, you know, I need, I need to see Caddyshack, get Caddyshack. <laughs> cuz I wanted to to see it and then she came back with it and we popped it into the VCR the uh like the Panasonic uh VCR and uh starts off you know starts off odd I distinctly remember yeah. thinking cuz like I thought it was going to be this this Topsy-Turvy comedy and then it like starts with you know, the the, the, the Kenny Loggins Harmony. And and I, I I think I don't know if you know just like the relationship I've had with the soundtrack of that movie. But just like it just it just like the one of these things that I wasn't expecting and then, you know, comes out the gopher and then all this goofy stuff that happens and just where you're watching it and just and there's actually a point where I where I didn't watch it for a while because of that scene where uh Spaulding uh, Judge Smiles' grandson, you know, vomits in the sunroof of that Trans Am, and Sir. and and then like the 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 other guy, he like sits in it, and I just thought, well, oh, that's disgusting. I don't want yeah. I want I don't want to be a part of that, and just like it just it just cre it just disturbed me for a while. So just like it was, i like I wouldn't watch the movie because of that one scene, and then. It, 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 yeah, it was just like this odd thing where just like I I found the whole it's like one of those movies where it's just like it was I I can't even explain it because once again I was a child so it just like like I shouldn't been watching the movie in the first damn place but uh, it's just just like it's one of those things where just like there's wild where it's just like I did I I wasn't watching it then I was watching it and then it was just. It's, it's just this weird thing that I, that's, that's even hard for me to explain over the radio about it. But it's right. just, but yeah, this the, the weird relationship I had with this movie where it just, I, I don't know if I was up, I wouldn't say I was obsessed with it, but it's just, just, it was just around. It's like, I if, that, if that's a proper way to, if that can be expl- a way to explain it, that, you know, this movie always seemed to be there in my childhood. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I think if you're of a certain age, it definitely was one of those movies that was, you know, uh, part of the, the culture and the conversation. You know, it's such a quotable movie and people seem to know so many lines from it that it's like, you know, even people you don't know if you're at a party or something and someone starts to as an aside, like does a quote from Caddyshack, you immediately know that this is someone that you have some sort of connection with, you know what I mean? It's, it's in a way it's like this, this bond for people, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you don't need to love the movie. Um, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not Citizen Kane. Uh, it's, you know, it's not, it's not the greatest movie ever made. It's just, uh, I happen to think that it's, it's sort of a, a beautiful sloppy mess that has a lot of funny stuff in it. And it also happens to have a making of story, which is like, to me is, is, Almost more interesting than the movie itself, and and in a way sort of encapsulates this really watershed moment in, in comedy. You know,
1: well, yeah, of course, as you establish in the book. And uh, by the way, if you have not uh, gotten the book uh, from uh, what is it, Flatiron Books? That's what it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's funny because as we you know as we're getting into you uh, getting on the show, your publicist made it. If you like, like, make sure you hype it up uh, for Father's Day because apparently, uh, this is like they're going through that Father's Day dollar now.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's Father's Day is coming up for sure, and they want to sell some books, and so do I. But you know, it's uh, it's definitely it's, it would seem to me that like you know the target audience for the for the movie is people uh you know, for the book are, are people who love this movie, and I think there are probably a lot of dads that fall into that
2: category, wouldn't you say?
1: You know, definitely, because, yeah, it is a movie that seems like it, like it came out, like, in 1980s, so just, like, I'm pretty sure the, the, the target demographic, as John, <laughs> John Peter so uh, put it in the book, this is, like, young men. Right. And, of course, these men would probably grow up to be fathers. Right. And it would be a perfect uh, demographic for that movie, but... um. But, yeah, just in, in – in, here's something I wanted to know, just uh, – I mean, was there any revelations? Because one of the things I noticed is reading it, just like – maybe just me because I'm a comedy nerd and everything. Uh-huh. That, like, I kind of knew a lot about, you know, in, in, in either reading about the, the making of the movie or just hearing about different stuff. Could you, could you, like you say you bring up uh, all the other points of comedy, like National Lampoon, Second City, Saturday Night Live, all these big touchstones – Mm-hmm. Of uh you know the, that wave of comedy, um just were there were there any revelations for you as you know in in uh, writing and researching this book? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one came from
3: interviewing Bill Murray, you know I mean, like the 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 movie itself is is really autobiographical about the Murray kids, you know, like there were yeah. nine kids who grew up just north of Chicago, and they were caddies as kids, and there are a lot of stories in the movie that could have come from there. First-hand experiences. And, you know, there, there have been documentaries and, and other books written about this time period, but you very rarely get to hear Bill Murray talk about them the way he does. I mean, he's not someone who's interviewed very often. So the fact that he even talks about the making of Caddyshack and sort of what uh, how his process worked on the film. I mean, you know, there, there were no written lines of dialogue for him in the film. And it's one thing to hear someone else say that Uh, But it's another thing to hear him talk about it or read him talking about it um, and sort of how comfortable he was improvising at that time in his career and how much he wanted to impress uh, the producer, Doug Kenny and Harold Ramis and and, and his brother, Brian Doyle Murray, uh, who were the writers of the thing. I mean, I just sort of thought that everything that came out of Bill Murray's mouth was completely new and hadn't been hadn't been uh, sort of printed or published before ever.
1: And you raise an interesting point like uh, about how... Because th- there have been books written about a lot of things you talk about, whether it is uh, National Lampoon or Saturday Night Live. And especially this year, it seems to be live awareness of uh, comedy... Uh, of what comedy was back then, especially uh, when Netflix dropped... Uh, the movie yeah. version of Fut- uh, Futile and Stupid Jester, which is about mm-hmm. Doug Kenny, And was there a part of you that was like, oh, uh, geez, uh, just, I mean, you feel like it was, you know, you were just talking about stuff that was already being written about? That's Not already really. Been I mean,
3: you know, I, I, like the Netflix movie, first of all, it was announced, like, after I started writing the book. And, I, you know, at first I was a little bit confused Concerned about it like oh my god like how much Doug Kenny do people need I would argue that they need as much Doug Kenny as they can get because the guy's fascinating yeah. but you know I thought that that you know look the, a feudal and stupid gesture the movie I didn't really care for the movie that much I thought yeah. like Joel McHale was really good in it but I thought it was really cartoony I happen to think that the book it's based on by Josh Carp, the Kenny biography of the same title feudal Island stupid gesture is fantastic yeah um, I think what my book tries to do is, such that you know, like there are strands of this story that have been told before,
2: mm-hmm. whether
3: it's Saturday Night Live or or Doug Kenny or Caddyshack, but I what I tried to do, I don't know if I did it successfully. You, you know, you tell me, was I tried to weave it all together so we sort of see where Caddyshack came from? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like like there was there were definitely, you know, three different, very different schools of comedy going on in the early 70s. You know, The Lampoon, Second City, and Saturday Night Live. And this was really the moment when they all came together. And, you know, it's so so to me, it feels like no one's told that story before, you know, sort of synthesizing all of that um, with, you know, a a ton of original interviews from basically anyone who was involved with the movie who's still alive. Um, So so to me, it feels like if you love the movie, there's 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 new stuff there for you. If, if, if you know, to be honest.
1: Well, I mean the the well the biggest I think the 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 through line for the movie, uh, uh, the book especially when the movie was being made, was the abundance of uh, Coke throughout yeah. the entire thing. Where it's just like it seemed like this movie was mostly fueled by cocaine. Yeah. And, and yeah, so- I mean, you go ahead. It's funny reading it back then because it's it's also funny because people were talking about how hey, hey it was cocaine we didn't think it was that big a deal, but I me mean, look like everybody seemed well like a lot of people on that that said in that shoot was 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 just down especially because like the movie was was shot in Florida yeah which is which is practically Scarface country so it's just yeah just just like just how just, just, you make you think like how crazy. A lot, a lot of stuff, especially a lot of movies back then were made just just, just knowing that there was this influx of coke just all over yeah. the place.
3: Yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, totally different times. I mean, it's hard to imagine uh, a movie being made in that way today. There's so much, like, oversight by studios and movies with such big investments that they would never let this group of, like, totally irresponsible, inexperienced people go down to Florida with a blank check to make a movie you know, knowing full well that they were, as you said, like in Scarface cocaine country. Um, It was it was, you know, it was the fuel that 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 fueled the movie. And, um, you know, they weren't doing coke when the cameras were rolling. But like as soon as they yelled cut and wrapped for the day, I mean, this was a pretty decadent set. And um, I I'm not, you know, advocating the use of cocaine, but I do find Hearing cocaine stories from the seventies to be like wildly entertaining, and I can't get enough of reading them.
1: Yeah, see, because it seemed like everybody was on cocaine back then.
3: Yeah, it's uh, except for Ted Knight. Uh, yeah, yeah
1: Ted Knight. He head. was well. I mean, because like in the book, you say like because in the book you mentioned that he was uh, he knew he had cancer two years yeah. before a movie shot, and then he like passed away in eighty six. So he was on kind of on the straight and narrow. So. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, and he hated the.
1: Fear like the wild Ah, damn, Chris. Oh, this week we're reconnecting now. Ah, sweeties, we're in a, in the middle of a, of a sweet conversation. Are we reconnecting? Oh, this is just what I need right now. Just, uh, just wait a minute. Let me. Let me see if I can get him again. Yeah, if it's failed or whatever, let me, let me call him. Yeah, I'm facetiming him again. Ah, uh, just this. Oh, this is. Oh, this is all fun. Connecting, and. Hey, there we go. Yeah, there. I don't know what the hell happened there.
3: Sorry about that.
1: Yeah, but uh, you saying that, uh, yeah, Ted and I had problems and stuff like...
3: Yeah, I think, you know, he was, he was such a, like, a pro, an old pro that, you know, the whole idea of, like, these crazies running around taking drugs and, you know, coming to set late and, you know, not... <laughs> reciting the lines as they're written in the script, but just sort of ad-libbing as they went along, you know, he wasn't used to working that way, and it really drove him crazy, especially with Rodney. Like, him and Rodney really clashed.
1: Yeah, Rodney Daniel Field also. And, but, you know, it's, um, you know, and and mostly, the the, uh, book is mostly about how uh, Doug Kenny went from National Lampoon to being a Hollywood player to his unfortunate passing. Uh, so, just think, you, you know, this book really brings uh, awareness of uh, Doug Kenny's legacy and, in, and in, uh, in all that uh, in the light.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly think that he's like, you know, the greatest comic mind of his generation that, you know, most people haven't heard of, which I think is unfortunate. Um, I think that, you know, they're starting to know who he was and, and just how much he contributed to comedy. Uh, so I think that's great. Um, I think that, uh, The people who worked with him on this movie, they really still feel a sense of loss about him. And they, uh, you know, everyone I interviewed would always say that Doug was the funniest, the most charming and the smartest guy they ever met. So, uh, you know, I think that he's a real sort of cautionary tale and and, uh, uh, just a fascinating character.
1: All right, that's that's, that's kind of all we got. But uh, Caddyshack, uh, the making of a Hollywood Cinderella story by Chris Noshawati. Did I pronounce the last name right?
3: You got it. You nailed it. Uh,
1: that's uh, out now in stores. Get it for your old man. Probably you'd be into that. Uh, where can people uh, track you down and contact you if they want to holler at you and stuff?
3: Oh, yeah. so uh someone Twitter at, uh, at Chris Nash- and uh, my reviews for Entertainment Weekly are on EW.com. And, uh, you know, the book's available uh, anywhere you buy books.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's say somebody wanted to write for Entertainment Weekly. How can you get a hookup with that?
3: How do you get a hookup with that? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're looking to hire right now, but uh, drop me a line. Why not? It's uh, Chris underscore Nashawati at EW.com.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you, you don't know what you've done. Uh
3: Am I gonna get just an influx of emails?
1: Hey, something like that. But uh well just you know, just you you just well just, just open up mine when you see them. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um Well, uh thank you very much, sir, for taking part in this. I appreciate it immensely and uh good luck with everything.
3: Thanks very much for having me. Good talking to you.
1: All right, have a good one. Thank right, you. All right, that's it for me. Um, that's uh, until next week. Uh, this is Craig D. Lindsay saying, yeah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Hey, I would like it very much if we got together and, uh, like, I don't know, had some bourbon or uh, maybe have some uh, double IPAs and maybe, you know, see where this thing takes us. But I know you're not listening because you're probably somewhere out trying to figure out uh, what you're going to tell the press about this 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 damn fool you got uh working for you but i'm just like what well, hey if you by some chance if somebody passes along just let you know that you know i know it's a, it's a hard job but you know i'm just i'm here for you and it would be nice if i could uh you know uh pour duck sauce on your feet and and see where that goes but all right
2: then i'll catch you later